Bucks Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on? Welcome into the Bucks Nation podcast. Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All. Jared, how you feeling after that big win in Folsom Field? Do you even have to ask? Man, I'm on top of the world. Buffs get a big win. NFL football back. Not going to lie, fantasy teams did okay this Shut week. Shut up. We're not talking fantasy, Jared. I don't even know why you brought the NFL up. It's all about the Buffs. Air Force on deck. We'll, of course, celebrate. See you beating Nebraska. Big time win, as I said. Renewing the rivalry in Boulder. Man, it could not have been sweeter. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports online, wisemoneysports.com. I know uh, betting spreading throughout the nation at an unbelievable rate. If you want to bet smarter on the sports you love, including college football, online, wisemoneysports.com. All right, Jared, before we get into specifics, before we get into the actual Nebraska game, and yes, we will celebrate, I've got a story for you. So gather around the campfire. It's time for Uncle Tyler's story time. Let's start off today with a nice tale. You might uh, want to ditch the Uncle Tyler. That sounds creepy. <laughs> you don't like that? No, 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 no. Not uh, good for you. Gather around, kids. <laughs> gather around. All right. So our win, CU's win against Nebraska this weekend, was both one of the best days of my life as a CU fan and one of the worst days of my life as a CU fan let me explain the second part. The first part's obvious. You beat Nebraska at home, come back from 17 down. Hey, that's all gravy. Who doesn't like that? I had been looking forward to this game since we had last played Nebraska in Boulder. What was that, 10 years ago? Correct, yeah. Okay. They announced it 3-4, maybe even up to five years ago, Nebraska coming to Boulder in 2019. So for the last half decade, I've had this one-day circle on the calendar, the one game I can't miss. Driving up to the game, excited, got my stuff, ready to go, got on the pregame, and the smoke starts coming from the tailpipe. Now, I want to say this. A week prior, check engine light came on, oil needs to be changed, that came on, so I put a quart of oil in, and the light went away, right? So I figure it just needs a little bit more oil. Pull over, get some oil, doesn't do anything. Pull over right before the Boulder Turnpike. I'm coming from, for those who don't know, I'm coming from kind of the South Denver area. So I'm going north. At that point, pull over at the Denver Turnpike, get two more quarts of oil, and just fill that thing up. And I thought it would have been good to go. Boulder and back. Just get me to Boulder. I don't even care about back. Yeah, right? Figure it out exactly. once you get there. Just, just get me to Boulder. So we're back on the highway, again, right before the Boulder Turnpike. The smoke out of the tailpipe is now unbelievable. The car starts shaking. We pull over on the side of the road. I thought it was done. I thought at that point, not going to happen. No game. I was distraught. Well, I start putting some pieces together. And I start saying, well, what if we can get a tow truck to come, get the car. I don't even care about the car. We can, maybe we can Uber. I don't even, well, what's going to be like a 150 to Boulder? You know? Not cheap. I don't care. I don't care if it costs more than tickets. I'm getting to this game. So the tow truck driver gets there in about half hour. This time it's around one o'clock. Game starts in 30 minutes. I'm in Denver. Tow truck driver gets there, takes us to the nearest exit north. So we'd be a little closer to Boulder so we can Uber. We get all the stuff, get out in a panic, get out. Hey, thanks, man. We'll see you soon. We stop. We look at how much Uber is going to be okay. So we start getting everything together. We have to go to the liquor store at this point, right? We can wait and grab some beer. Bring- you, you need a couple exactly, of cocktails exactly. for that. <laughs> we went and grabbed some beer. She had to go. I was with uh, uh, my girlfriend. She had to go to the bathroom, of course, right? Yeah, I mean, that's how it goes. So she's in the gas station, comes out. So this is all, you know, about 20 minutes had passed. 
We get ready to order the Uber. We're about to go to Boulder. Everything seems to be coming into place. At this moment in time, I realized we left our tickets in the car. Oh, no. Tickets were on the tow truck being driven back down to where I live, which is about 45 minutes south of there. So at this point, I'm on the phone with AAA trying to get them to connect me to my tow truck driver. They don't do it in time. Long story short, it would have I would have been there like halfway through the fourth quarter if it all would have worked out. So at this point, I go home. I'm like, I'm not just going to miss the entire game trying to get there. So at this point, I called it a day. I didn't go, and I went home and watched the game at that point. To my disgust, I saw... Because I sit around a lot of the alumni, right? I sit with all the, 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 the folks, the season ticket holders. There's a nice group of us that have been going there for a long time. I hope they didn't think I sold my tickets to those scummy Nebraska fans. And also, where were they? I'm looking it, on TV and it goes, I'm like, everywhere around my section right now is red. Tyler, it was disgusting. I confess myself, Buff fans, disappointed in the, the, the Buffs fans as a whole. I would say a minimum of 50% of that stadium was Nebraska. Fans. I hated it. It was disgusting. That. It was the first time I've never gone on the road to a CU game, so I've never been at a CU game where you're the opposing fans. I felt for the first time like I was at an opposing stadium watching the road team playing. That's how loud they were. That's how many people were in the stadium. And man, did they chirp and they chirped and they chirped. So getting to see so you this You can imagine team, how much more oh, distraught yes. I was. And you know I'm a chirper. I am like a morning robin. Oh, you yeah. get me at those games, and I'm a. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I was just telling you before <laughs> uh, before we got on air. I, I I sat down at my seats, and and the folks next to me had uh, sold their their seats <sighs> to uh, some Nebraska fans, and I took one look at the guy, and I said, "You are gonna hate sitting here by the end of the game." He said, "Why is that?" I said. Oh, just wait and see. You know me, Tyler. Those of you who listen to the podcast know how loud and vocal I can get. I'm not a fun person to be around when you're the opposing fan. So it was a rough first half. It was a rough first half being around all those fans. They, they, like I said, they were talking. They were chirping. All of a sudden, it became this. Uh, I, I won't lie. I won't not lie, Tyler. There were some moments where some doubt started to set in, and I started to wonder if this was going to get out of hand. Uh, but how great it was to see all that sea of red have to walk down, walk out with their tail between their legs, with their head down. Oh my God, it made it that much better almost to have that many Nebraska fans have to walk out after all of that. What a day. What a great game. And I have to just go ahead and toot my own horn here a little bit, but uh, do you happen to remember exactly what my score prediction was was for this game? (laughs) 34-31. Nailed it right on the head. Was it really? Yeah. I guess uh, we got to give that one to you then. Really? Yeah. Nice. Well, enjoy that. It's a one time this season. Not exactly that. how I saw it going down, though. <laughs> I know. Let's put it that way. I know. Um, yeah, I, I kept saying the whole time. I kept trying to make it positive. Like, I'm not there for a reason. We're gonna. Aren't you going to ask me what happened to my car? Um, I'm a little bit afraid. Is it totaled? Oh no, totaled. Tyler, that car's Done. not that old, is it? Done. Well, I'm getting a new engine. Okay. Wow. The engine's totaled, which essentially means the car's totaled. Yeah, right? Um, but Otherwise, it's just a piece of metal. Supp- supposedly, I mean, it's... Because it, it still didn't work out financially for me yeah. to just get a new car, so... Things happen for a reason, Tyler. Maybe and, maybe and, CU doesn't win that game if you show up. I mean, you never know. Look, I, I did all the stupid things like that to try to make myself feel better. Maybe it was for a reason, maybe. And you know what? The truth is, now I'll have a story forever. That that's right. That's right. one of the best <laughs> games in the history. 
Storm in the field, which is a little bit of a reach beating a 2020 team, but it was great. A good experience. Lots of fun. Well, let's recap that game. Obviously, CU got off to a bad start, to say the least. Down 17-0, and that's what I was afraid of, is coming out hungry, coming out wanting to win. Look, while you can't put everything, all your eggs into one basket, and what I mean by that is, listening to the pregame interview, or excuse me, the postgame interview last week from both coaches, if you heard Mel Tucker, heard Scott Frost, it wasn't very promising. You know, Mel Tucker gets the ugly win, and he says, hey, a win's a win, we're happy around here. And then Scott Frost gets a win and says, unacceptable, this offense needs to improve. So just based on last week, it's like, okay, so you're going to come out hungry. Now, what I mean about all the eggs in one basket, you can't just say, well, look at what I said after the game. Now that's that. But CU didn't come out very good. I mean, they were giving up bad defensive plays, kind of looked how we did against CSU, but then good adjustments at halftime. Something we didn't, I mean, I guess we kind of saw that against the Rams, but... Well, when you look at it, it is a little bit frustrating in both of the first two weeks. The Buffs started out slow. I mean, they trailed for most of the first half against CSU in week one, going into halftime 17-0 against Nebraska. Didn't force an incompletion the entire first half. Really had no answer for anything Nebraska did on both sides of the ball, so you started to wonder, but to your point, the resiliency, the adjustments made at half you started to see the defense really buckle down on some of those read plays the zone option plays and really good to see a team that looks better as the game goes on and closes in the fourth quarter I know we kind of teased and joked about the cliche sayings that Mel Tucker had all offseason about being the most conditioned team and winning fourth quarters I think it's clear and obvious that that has had an impact early on. You listen to uh, what Katie Nixon had to say after the game. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, we didn't win that game today. We won that game in May. When we were in the off-season conditioning program and we worked harder than we've ever worked before, that's when we won that game, when we decided we were going to be better conditioned than any team we played. But there's two sides to it, and you like to see your team obviously get stronger right. through the game and through the season, but I've always looked at you know coaching – Obviously, you want to come out strong in the second half. There's coaches who will really thrive, make halftime adjustments. But then you also want to come into the game with a good game plan. And that's going to catch up with CU. Eventually, if they keep starting the games like that, like I said, it's going to catch up. They can't do that all season long. You have to feel a little uh, bit good about the fact that they have yet to play a complete game and have been in it and won two games that were big games to start off. We talked about early in the season. These wins are huge. So it's good to see a team that you feel like has a lot more potential than what we're seeing, and they're still winning games. Well, And you talked about how we came back and beat the Rams. Similar against Nebraska. I mean, this defense getting after Adrian Martinez in the second half, resulting in six sacks, uh, you know, a couple bad throws in, in the second half. Also, how about the aggressiveness, two strip sacks, one interception, all again coming in the second half. This defense, first couple games, has really changed the way they play. And that's what's good, is keeping the other the, the other offense on their toes, right? Evolving the way that, that this defense comes out in the second half. You just now want them to start the game a little bit quicker. Um, I think this coaching staff in general is getting to know the team. We always say this. We're, for a new coach, give them a little bit of time. For a new staff altogether, Jay Johnson, I mean, Tyson Summers coming in here, give these guys a little bit of time. So that could very well have to do with the slowest starts, is learning how these guys start as well. And I'm not going to take all the blame off Montez. We saw some throws in this game that were reminiscent of sophomore year Montez. I was just going to say, to me, he looks like a quarterback that has not progressed, has not grown in the three years as a starter. 
you remember back to his first season. I can remember the Oregon game, USC game, that first season as a, I believe, redshirt freshman or maybe it was a sophomore, where he came in to spell Sefo Lufau when he was injured and came in and made huge throws. People were, in fact, at that time calling for Montez to replace Lufau. <laughs> That's always what happens. Always what happens, right? But we've seen that from him. Early on, we saw the struggles we've seen from Montez. Missing easy throws, bad decision-making at times, not press- processing things fast enough. But, man, when the game's on the line, I don't know that there's too many people around, at least in the Pac-12, that I'd rather the ball be in their hands than Steven Montez. But, again, we keep getting to this when the game's on the line. I want to win 49-0 one of these games. You know, I want to blow the – I don't want to have to crawl back. And it's been CSU – and possibly maybe an overrated Nebraska team. Everyone Definitely had Nebraska like winning their division in the Big Ten. This team may win seven or eight games this if year. If they're lucky, I think. Not to say that that's not a talented team, but I think this these types of games see you beating a team like Nebraska is what sends them off. But, Jared, know? it's the mentality. We've talked about it. I mean, how much have we talked about mentality? Mel Tucker, this team, it's about the attitude. What I saw, again, watching on the television, what I saw was... Montez in that first interception. Well, I, I, didn't he only have one? Just pick? the one okay. interception. Yeah, in, late in, that, in, the in first that early half. one. It was lazy, right? I will take a pick where you're sitting in the pocket, you're going through your progressions. It, that happens, right? We're, that that's football. I get it. But when you're lazy, throwing off your back, and it was foot, a panicked throw, he just was trying to dump it off. I don't even know if he saw the defender, but that doesn't matter because again, it was very lazy. So that's the kind of mentality I'm talking about coming out a little bit different, and they're going to have to do that against Air Force, which we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, playmakers making some great plays. How about these receivers, man? Now, 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 the two groups I want to focus on last game, offense, it has to be the receivers, right? LaVisca Chenault, who didn't get the ball that much early on, eventually, whether it was in the wildcat formation, getting the ball to him on the outsides, eventually came alive. You think we're using him enough early on? I was just going to ask you the same question. Do you take that as the buffs no, trying is, to hold him back, or is that everybody focusing on him opening up other things? No, uh, well, no matter what it is, come the end of the season, the last quarter of the season, we need a wrinkle in the playbook where we can expose the other team and let Chenault shine, right? Where we can feature Chenault in, in so many different formations and we're already showing him all over the field. So formation-wise, they're showing him in many different looks. What they can do from those formations, I'm glad they're keeping it in their pocket, saving it for, for I don't want to say better games. That That's about as must-win as you can get right there. Fourth quarter, you're gonna you're not going to say, I guess but my point is... But when you look is, at how he was you're utilized... You're not going to put anything in the pocket for Nebraska. When you see the, the second half of that game, LaVisca Chenault was very involved in that game plan, even to the point where he was back returning kicks. One great return that turned in to be a disaster, know, but you saw the potential just by using him in another no, different way and, and adding and a I'm wrinkle. Not, I'm not talking about not using Chenault. I'm talking about using him in different creative ways. And, and I do want to say, that in the fourth quarter against Nebraska, when you're coming back at home, yes, it's not like you're going to say, no, let's save that for Washington. I get that. It's not really time to tuck things away, but it's showing a little bit at a time. And what we saw last year with the Buffs is, you know, Mike McIntyre gets a player like that on his on his team, and they had, I, I think it was one of the games, I forget which exact game, it was like almost done with the third quarter, and there was a graphic that came up on the TV that said Chenault had touched the ball, or he had 88% of the offensive yards th- that game. 
that's way too much. That's what happened to my car. You've, you're eventually going to wear something down if you keep using it over and over and don't give it a break, Jared. What I like to see that this coaching staff is utilizing Chenault as a decoy. Uh, I want to point to a play early in the fourth quarter. They had uh, just previously on the on the possession before run out Chenault in the Wildcat as the quarterback, ran up the middle with Chenault. was a successful play. Later in the fourth quarter, they ran out that same four eight formation. Everybody in the world is sitting there looking, saying he's running the ball up the middle. What do they do? And end around with Jalen Jackson ends up getting about 18, 20 yards on the play because you used him. Everyone's focused on him. You gave the ball. You, you used him as a decoy and allowed somebody else to make a play. That's how you utilize a superstar that everybody knows is getting the ball. How about Tony Brown? Touchdown, Tony oh Brown. Oh, my God. That was such a great play at the end of the game. And he had a lot throughout the game. He oh, made he several he great catches throughout the game. I'd say probably all around the best performance there, even though he probably didn't have the best numbers when you got a guy like Katie Nixon setting a record 96-yard touchdown, longest touchdown pass in CU history. What a play on that flea flicker. The guts for Jay Johnson great, to call that it. on your Deep own in your four, end zone. <laughs> down by, your end zone. by two scores. That's huge. That's the type of plays you have to make to come back and win a game like that. And even though they let up a touchdown real quick on the ensuing possession, that to me was the turning point in that game, that 96-yard touchdown pass. And then my last uh, kind of uh, unit here on the team I want to talk about is uh, cluster players is the D-line. I mean, Mustafa Johnson, we'll start with him. What a great – I mean, after the first week, there were some questions. And we said, is this D-line going to get pushed around? You know, where's all what, – what's all that hype been about? Mustafa Johnson had a great game. Alex Changum, not even though he's not necessarily in the D line, great game. You know the the, the linebackers, the, the front seven, I guess we should say here, um, unbelievable. Stepped up in the second half, had, had a huge game. Uh, I, I do want to mention that um, Makai Blackman, very athletic. The blitz off yes. the edge, the strip sack. I mean, he's a little Chidobe Awuzie. He's a small guy, but he he laid Chido, the wood on that hit, didn't he? Yeah, he's gonna be. You start to see through the second game of the season, and folks, they only play guys 12 before bowl games. They're starting to work faster. And they're emerging. You're starting to see the guys who are going to be playmakers this season. But uh, Mustafa Johnson, I think, gets like the this, this star. He gets the gold star on defense that he, game. He's on NFL radars. He's a guy to watch for this year and see what he does. One additional player I want to point out on the defense that didn't have necessarily the biggest stat line, but I thought was a huge factor in the second half, that's Devion Taylor. Being utilized this year a bit more as a coverage linebacker, whereas last year he was blitzing off the edge almost exclusively. They're really utilizing him covering running backs, tight ends out of the backfield, something that was really an issue in the first half for the Buffs but Devion Taylor seemed to be everywhere in that second half. Had eight tackles, two passes broken up throughout the game, and I think he's really getting comfortable in that role, utilizing his athleticism and coverage as a very big guy. He's lining up at linebacker, 220 pounds, but runs like a defensive back. So I think he had a great game, and I think he continues to improve as the season goes on. Special thanks to the Wise Listing System team online at paymyfirstmonth.com. If you're in the market for a new house, new apartment, new condo, whether it's your first house or you're planning on it being your last house, online paymyfirstmonth.com will do just that. They'll take care of your first month's mortgage. Now think about how stressful it can be in all of the different bills that add up. Nickels here, dimes there, take care of that first month's mortgage. And it's not just that. It's a seamless, easy process. Sit back, relax, and actually enjoy it. Online paymyfirstmonth.com. It's the Wise Listing System team. All right, Jared, we got Air Force coming to town. 
Should I say coming to town? That makes sense, Dylan. They're coming from yeah, the Springs. Yeah, they're coming from the Springs. That's far enough away. They're from out of town. Boy, we're renewing some rivalries this year. Obviously, the CSU rivalry. We know about that one. And then last week, Nebraska. And then this week. Now, Jared, this is long before your time. Air Force. What has been 1973, last time Air Force played in Boulder. And that used to be a big rivalry game. That was a huge rivalry back in the day. Tyler, you're six months older than me, so I don't know about <laughs> way before my time. Jared, uh, all right, first of all, <laughs> it's not, it, it's about uh, it's about uh, how you act, right? Yeah, yeah I guess exactly. that is a good point. Exactly, yeah, that you got me there. But, uh, I, you know, this is actually, I'll be honest, one that I don't like to see them play because I love Air Force. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. Oh, stop I think it. their uniforms are clean. They're great. Just if you've never been to a game at Air Force, it's, it's a must-do if you're a Colorado native. You have to go catch a game there. But I don't necessarily like this because it's a team that I tend to root for when I'm watching them play. So it's not exactly my favorite game or favorite rivalry to see them renew. Are you done gushing over our next opponent? Can we actually focus on what CU needs to do? Hey, I don't have to hate him to go stomp him in the ground. No, you don't. But I don't like this whole, let's, you know, let's uh, compliment sandwich. Let's... Let's start out nice. That's ridiculous. I want to go out there, beat the hell out of them, 60-0 to zero at halftime, put the backups in. That would be ideal. Now, if you look at Vegas, and those of you who know, I often say Vegas is the truth serum in sports. Air Force, a three-point favorite. Which, underdog. Three-point underdog. Excuse me. Three-point underdog. Still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, not to get too technical with how the lines work or anything, but CU is a three-point favorite in their own house. That means that CU is only about a half point better than Air Force at most, it, according to the eyes of Las Vegas or the market. So everyone thinks that these are two average, or two pretty much similar teams coming in in terms of talent. Jared, I think everyone is freaking out for the wrong reason. I don't think Air Force, Air Force poses near the threat that everyone's saying that they're going to. Let's look at Air Force this season real quick. They got off to a 48-7 start against Colgate. I love their tooth, toothpaste. Yeah, great. Um, so, But they played two weeks ago. So Air Force wins 48-7. By the way, it was 48-7 at the end of the third quarter. They took their foot off the gas. But it was Colgate. So they did have a bye week last week. Some time to rest, prepare for CU. You know they've been, they, they watched last week's game. They've been getting ready for this offense. Their first game of the season, pretty good stats. Typical Air Force attack. 423 rushing yards on 65 rushing attempts. And yes, they had 17, again, 17 people run the football. That's a lot of rushers. And only attempted one pass. Yeah, Isaiah Sanders, one for one, 41 yards. But also, their, their quarterback, I don't know if you saw, he didn't rush the ball once. So you talk about a team who's saving for their, their bread and butter for the best games. Well, Isaiah Sanders, Air Force's quarterback last year, averaged 10 carries a game. So the fact that he didn't run the ball at all first for the first game, they're keeping him healthy. They're keeping a few things in their pocket for CU. I guarantee you that. And this team is pumped up. I was reading a couple of Colorado Springs newspaper. Man, this is the Super Bowl for this team, and you have to be careful with games like that where it's all or nothing for Air Force. Uh, just take a look last week against uh, Army against Michigan, a very similar situation, a team in Army that has the same style of play, uh, and they really gave Michigan all they could handle. I believe that game went to double overtime. So this is certainly one of those games you cannot overlook, especially where it comes within the season. It'd be a really easy game for the CU Buffs to look past, coming off of a huge win over your rival, come from behind. After this week, you go on 
to play on the road, your first road game, Huge game. against Arizona State, your first Pac-12 game. There's a lot of distractions going on this week, so a really big game, really important to focus, and you, you alluded to it earlier, come out hot. Jump on this team. Well, that's about the offense, and we'll start there. I think this offense has to do one thing if they're going to beat Air Force this weekend, and that's throw the football. Jared, you've heard me say that now two weeks in a row, but there's very specific reasons why the Buffs need to throw it against Air Force. I'll start off with what may be the most obvious reason. Air Force is a heavy running team. Air Force beats teams like CU by controlling the clock and not letting CU's offense on the field. So the best way to counteract that is not to try and beat Air Force at their own game and wind clock yourself. The best way to beat Air Force is that at that is to increase the possessions in the game. If your offense is moving down down the field quickly, pulling a classic Peyton Manning, get you know what? You may have to put up with a couple three and outs to take eight seconds off the clock. That's not a bad thing in a game like this. The longer you can keep that game going, the better for the buffs. Now, eventually, if you pull ahead, that's our goal, right? That's, that's what we want. Then none of this matters. But if this is a close game, you don't want to try and beat Air Force at their own game and run, run, run the football. You can still be balanced like Mel Tucker wants to be and come out airing it out, opening it up early. You can do both, and I think the Buffs need to try to accomplish doing both. I do think it's important to come out early in this game, jump on them, put them away early, let everybody around the country, let your own team know how much better you are than this well, team. And, and and I think it's also important to let the other team know how much yes. better you are and demoralize them. And then as the game starts to wear on, you get up two, three scores, that's when you just lean on these big hogs up front, lean on your running backs, and let them take the game and run out the clock. No, that, that's exactly right. Um, Air Force is also a team that struggles against the pass. They know how to stop the run. So if we're going to try out, and, and I get it, CU wants to be a powerhouse smash mouth team, which that's why if you want to, you know, maybe establish that early on, demoralize them like we just talked about. But Jared, since 2014, every single receiver that Air Force has faced that ended up in the NFL got over 175 yards every game. That includes... Colorado State's Preston Williams, Colorado State's Michael Gallup, Colorado State's Rashawn Higgins, Utah State's Hunter Sharp, Boise State's Cedric Wilson, and Western Michigan's Corey Davis. Those are all the receivers Air Force has, has faced that went to the NFL since 2014, every one of them over 175. So that's good news for Levitska Chenault, who's probably a first-round draft pick. He's going to have his way. And he's not the only talented receiver on the Buffs, on, on the Buffs offense, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast. So Jared... What I want to see is you, you light them up, you use this talent, because, folks, we are 10 times more talented than Air Force at skill positions on the outside of the field. Use that speed, use that talent, use that height, use that strength, and dominate Air Force early. Come out, throw the football early, and that's how you're going to beat them. I do not want to see running the football, playing Air, playing Air Force's game, trying to beat them at that. you got to go out and throw the football, Jared. Did you know that stat? No, that's pretty interesting. Good, I'll tell you what, that's a pretty uh, pretty good list of receivers there that Air Force has had to go up against the last few years. Yeah, except those couple scam artists from CSU. Yeah, that just put yeah. up, put up I, some... Uh, you know what? what's <laughs> funny is my hatred for the Rams is so deep. I'm watching the Cowboys game this weekend, and Michael Gallup touches the football, and I just start booing. I don't have any money on that game. I don't care. I just don't want Michael Gallup to... Who is that running yeah. back for the Broncos for, for the last few years? Uh, Bibbs, Capri Bibbs. Yeah, and it and, was and he, he was at CSU when I was doing radio up there. God, the delusional people. When you yeah. would listen to fans talk in the preseason, like he was just going to outdo and just become the starter like, for This isn't Utah State. <laughs> yeah, break here. Easy to do against four stringers. 
Uh, Jared, I think it's pretty obvious on defense what CU needs to do. We talked about the front seven earlier. They're going to have to have a big game. Now, I'm going to look at Nate Landman and John Van Deest in the middle there because they're the two inside linebackers. You know, it's it's key for them not to get fooled, not to get tricked. Air Force is going to try, and obviously, it's all about deception with their flexbone offense. And let's let's repeat that. There's a lot of confusion or a lot of names that get kind of thrown out there. Um, it's kind of what you see in politics with the socialism fact. It's like no one really understands these kids yelling about this, what it means. Well, a lot of people do the same thing for Air Force offense. All you'll hear is triple option, but to be specific, and we're not going to go into detail on this, but it's a flex bone offense. So there's different kinds of option offenses. There's wing T, there's flex bone. The flex bone has primarily been the, you know, Air Force, Army, Navy, and it's because you can integrate guys quickly. They, they, they say in football, if you ask a football coach, it's, it's argued widely that receiver and quarterback are the two toughest positions to develop. This offense takes a lot of those responsibilities out of their hands and puts it on more of a, a team. Well, and for those fans out there that have been following the Buffs back to their heyday in the early 90s, this is actually a very similar offense to what the Buffs used to run, um, where the main difference between what you're going to see from Air Force this week versus what CU saw, say, last week against a Scott Frost offense or some of the more spread concepts is you, A, are under center a lot, and B, you yeah, actually pretty much. you utilize a fullback a ton. In fact, he might be your primary ball carrier, where most spread offenses don't even have a fullback on the roster. So you're going to see more up-the-middle runs with this versus everything being on the edge in a lot of zone read offenses. So you see guys under center, a lot of fullback dives, but the deception is there. Does the fullback have the ball? Did the quarterback pull it out? Is he swinging around the edge? So your inside linebackers, huge. They got to be keying on that inside run. Also, though, your edge rushers. That is a position that is very easy to get fooled in this style of offense and be out of position. If you're out of position as the edge rusher, you're going to see big plays all day long. So you, you see Changum on the outside, Devion Taylor on the outside. Those guys also have to be very, very good staying in position, not over-pursuing these plays. Well, and this is probably going to be the last game we see this season where the other team doesn't run any up-tempo. Correct. I mean, this yeah. is the Pac-12. You know, Maybe you'll get a Washington or Utah who occasionally will slow it down. But like CU does, I mean, those teams will also put their foot on the gas and then go fast. Air Force is probably the last team CU will play this entire year, maybe excluding a bowl game, depending on who CU gets, if they get there, which I think they will. Um, probably the last team who's going to slow things down. To add to your point quickly, Jared, um, I think on the on the outside, you talked about the receivers. Now we're just going to go through everybody on the defense. But this secondary is going to be big too because it's not, they're going to be asked to do something that they were not heavily recruited to do. I mean, the Pac-12 is a throw-first league. When you're recruiting a secondary, you're not checking off, can they stop a triple-option offense? Or what happens if we have to bring, you know, the safeties into the box 80% of the snaps? So this is going to be a different experience for the secondary. Maybe not so much the front seven, even though it's a totally different offense. But this is, you know, what they're going to ask these cornerbacks, uh, safeties to do. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Taylor. So, uh, look, this is going to be a different game for them. I expect them to to, sh- to have some tackles in the backfield, create a few turnovers. I think they're going to have a pretty good game. Well, but also, too, it, it adds a second uh, second level to what the, the secondary is having to do. And you mentioned the one completion last week for Air Force, 42-yard pass. When they throw the ball, 
they're generally throwing the ball deep. It's after a play fake. Once they've fooled you after a hundred runs well, it, in a it, row, it's the Charlie boom, Brown. They, they pull. They, yes, they pull the football. And away. if you, as a, as a defensive back, a corner or a safety, you get caught peeking in the backfield, not watching your guy. Those are the big plays that can allow a team like Air Force to hang in there. All of a sudden, they put a couple of 40, 50 yard touchdown passes on you, and now you have to keep keep yourself honest with that. It, it adds another wrinkle into that where you have to be careful. You have to keep them honest by defending their receivers, knowing that they're probably not throwing to them all game long. It's hard to stay focused as a DB that way. You want to hear my uh, score? I do. 41-17. I think CU comes out, takes care of business early. Maybe Air Force gets some second half points. But the spread right now, and I made my bet before we came on the air, I put my money where my mouth is, I think CU destroys the spread. It's not very often you'll hear me say that. I believe in the market. I believe in Vegas. I believe if you think you're smarter than them, you'll lose a lot of money very quickly. But one thing I'm pretty good at is finding where the market's on, wrong, where the market's off. We're early in the week. We're recording this on Monday. I have a good feeling that by Thursday or Friday, this line is closer to a touchdown than it is three. I like CU. For all my betters out there, I like CU minus the three. I think they went big. I have it very close in score to what you have there. I have it 36-17, and, and really, you you hit everything that I was just going to point out. 36, I, that's a weird number to You know, on. I tried to throw some a little different. <laughs> yeah. You know, you never know that two-point conversion. Maybe we get a safety in there, you know. Got to gotta see what goes down. How often does the score yeah, actually end up on 35? How, you know? often it, it, well, how can you get to 36? <laughs> I guess I did not go backwards on the math and how we got there. Hey, I can but, guarantee 18 safeties get you there. So. <laughs> hey, you never know. Uh, but I just think you're going to see a CU team, and, and maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think that CU is going to do some self-evaluating, looking back at what they've shown the first two weeks, and I think it's clear and obvious they have to start out better. I think this is a good opportunity for CU to come out on a team that you're more talented than and prove that, hey, we can work these things out. As we're going week by week, the buffs are going to look better every week of the season. I expect to see that this week with them jumping out to an early lead, and I think you see Mel Tucker coast a little bit in this one. Running ball, don't probably blow them out the way that you you may have an opportunity. Well, and I think also that it's in-state, it's not a rival, and it's Air Force. I mean... You know, like if there's going to be a school you're not going to run it up on, it's going to be like one of the military schools, right? Right, right. These guys might have to save your neck one of these days. Exactly, (laughs) man. Exactly. So, I mean, but all kidding aside, don't you think there's like that kind of human aspect where it's like if you're playing, you know, like like Toledo at home and you're going to beat him, maybe not the incentive not to run it up as compared to like an Air Force who also happens to be in state. Did we miss anything, Jared? You know, I don't think so, Tyler. I just got to just express the excitement that I came away from this game with Nebraska. Uh, I, I actually got a chance to interact with a lot of Nebraska fans, being <laughs> that they were surrounding me. And I think it's a, a resounding feeling on both sides of it that they want this rivalry game to continue. It better. You know, Scott Frost talked a lot before the game and in the in the, in the, 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 the press conferences before the game about it being an ex-rival. Uh, boy, i never seen that many fans travel for an ex-rival. I think that this fan base is itching for this as much as CU is. So I think we keep pushing that bandwagon, Tyler. Bring this rivalry back. Before we get out of here, I want to quickly say that Scott Frost... It's the perfect hire for Nebraska. Isn't he? he? I hated him when he was a player there. He's just so slimy. I'm watching him on the sideline. It's just like, uh, no. He just screams scum. You know what? There's two people in my life. I've looked at the screen, and I've thought, oh, what an awful guy. It was uh, Voldemort from the Harry Potter movies. (laughs) 
and then now Scott Frost. I had the same feeling, the same taste in my mouth. Just like you know, that's a just a scummy, slimy, bad dude. Doesn't Scott Frost kind of look like? Uh Voldemort before he became Voldemort. (laughs) All right, Jared. I guess we'll leave everyone with that. Chew on that for the week. Let's go Buffs. Improve to 3-0. Get the big win over Air Force. Talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation Podcast.